time to rest, time to refresh, no stress To the city point Giving him your best, nothing like the rest Passing every test, you know he's the one, yeah Taking time to rest, time to refresh, no stress To the city point Giving him your best, nothing like the rest Passing every test, you know he's the one, yeah Taking time to rest, time to refresh, no stress To the city point Giving him your best, nothing like the rest Passing every test Bless the Lord, bless the Lord. Just take a moment right now and just lift your hands and say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for who you are. Thank you, Lord, for all that you've done for me. Thank you, Lord, that where your spirit is, there is freedom. Thank you, Lord, that in your presence, there is fullness of joy. Hallelujah, God, we thank you dwelling amongst us today we honor you God we worship you as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords we praise you God because you truly are I am we bless your name on this day God hallelujah hallelujah bless your name God hallelujah we honor you today God hallelujah we magnify you God because you're worthy of all the praise, hallelujah. We bless your name. Your name is great and greatly to be praised. I don't know about you today, but I feel good. I feel good because God is good all the time. Hallelujah, I feel good because God is great. Hallelujah, Jesus. God, we bless you on this day. We bless you on this day. We honor you, not just because you're good, but today is a special day. It's Palm Sunday, y'all. Hallelujah. And I don't know about you, but I'm excited because Palm Sunday is a time for us to celebrate the mercy, the goodness, and the love of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so I'm just excited to stand before you on this day to say, what's up, City Point? It's good to see your faces and to see all of you in, in, in the building on this day. Um, and I'm so grateful to have this privilege to stand before you. Um, I'm so grateful for Pastor Davis, and I just wanna say, everybody send a shout out to Pastor Davis. Say happy birthday! Yesterday was Pastor D's birthday, and so we celebrate him as the shepherd of this house. And so on today, I'm not gonna be before you long, but I'm excited, as I said, today is Palm Sunday. And so because it is Palm Sunday, I thought it only be fitting that we have a Palm Sunday message. And so today, I want to talk about the events that happened on what the early Christians deemed as Palm Sunday. Um, so um, this story is actually recorded in all of the Gospels, but today we're going to focus on the story as it is written in the book of Matthew. So if you will turn with me to Matthew chapter 21, verses 1 through 11. 
And before we get into the message, let's pray. Father God, we thank you. We honor you. We love you. We adore you and we magnify you. We exalt your name, God, because you are great and greatly to be praised. We thank you, Lord, for this time that we have gathered to worship collectively. And I pray right now, Lord, that you will prepare our hearts to receive that which you have for us. We thank you, Father, that your word brings life and it is life-giving. And so I pray, Lord, that today as we feast on your word, that you would allow us to leave full, God, and ready for the week ahead. We pray right now, God, that you would remove me out of the way, Lord, and that your Holy Spirit, as it is dwelling amongst us, we feel you, God. I pray, Lord, that you would speak through me, your servant. We honor you and we bless you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. All right, Matthew chapter 21, verses 1 through 11. And it says, and I'm reading from the um, English Standard Version, and it says, Now when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethphage, to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, the Lord needs them, and he will send them at once. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, saying, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put, them on, put on them their cloaks, and he sat on them. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up saying, who is this? And the crowd said, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. So to set the stage, this was the beginning of the Passover, or what we refer to today as the Holy Week or Passion Week. As with Jewish custom, the Passover was a time of year where the Jews would gather together to commemorate their time as slaves in Egypt and how with the lamb's blood on their doorposts, the death angel would pass over their house which eventually led them to their deliverance after over 400 years in slavery. If you're not familiar with the story, you can read it in your leisure in Exodus chapters 5 through 12. Now, this passage, I've heard it over again. I've read it many times before. But there was always a question as to why this event had to happen. You see, it was out of the ordinary for Jesus and how he operated. If you recall previous encounters that Jesus had with people whom he healed or delivered, he would often tell them not to mention it to anyone, to keep silent about him, or he was ducking away out of the crowd. So why now would he allow people to publicly celebrate who he is? Why was this time different than all the rest? The book of Matthew records Jesus telling his disciples on three different occasions in chapters 16, 17, and 20 that a day would come 
when he would be put to death, but he would rise in three days. And this entry into Jerusalem was the beginning of that process. It was here that Jesus was assuming the character and the claims of the Messiah and the King of the Jews. Many times before, he would state not to let others know what he did for them or who he was because his time had not yet come. However, as the Messiah, he came to earth to be the sacrificial lamb of God that was to take away the sins of the world. This was not something that was to be done quietly or in secret, but it was only right that every eye should be fixated on him. This time was different because his time had now arrived. This procession needed to happen because it would be the catalyst that would prompt the Jewish leaders to act. Prior to Jesus and his disciples coming to Jerusalem, Jesus had performed many miracles. And one of the more recent ones was him raising Lazarus from the dead. Now, if you can imagine with me, the number of people that began to follow Jesus began to grow. Not just with those that believed in him, but also with those that wanted to see Lazarus. You know, the spectators, the onlookers. John's gospel explains in chapter 12 that because of the growth of Jesus' following, the chief priests were so frustrated that they plotted to kill Lazarus. The motivation for wanting to kill him was simply because the people were leaving the Jewish leaders and following Jesus. Their contempt for Christ was so great that they were willing to kill an innocent man. Now fast forward to Jesus' entry into Jerusalem, where you have crowds publicly celebrating Jesus and shouting and causing such an uproar that more and more people begin to inquire about who this man was. Now I can imagine that it only frustrated the Jewish leaders even more. So much so that instead of plotting to kill Lazarus, their aim was now on Jesus. They wanted to get rid of him once and for all. It would seem that this celebration would be a joyous occasion, but the underlying purpose behind it was so much bigger. These scriptures are laced with so much inspiration that Jesus, the master teacher, is still teaching us lessons and revealing truths that we can incorporate into our daily lives. There are, few things, there are a few things that I learned from this story of Jesus' entry into Jerusalem that I want to share with you today, and then I'll get out of your way. And so today I want to talk about insights from a Palm Sunday celebration. If we go back to verses 1 and 3 in Matthew chapter 21, it says, Now when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethphage, to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord needs them, and they will send them at once. The first thing that I see in this passage is that you can trust what Jesus says. 
What's interesting about this is that he didn't tell them to ask the owner to use the donkey. He just told them, go get it. Here, Jesus displays his omniscience. He gives them very detailed and thorough instructions. He sends them into a specific village, tells them where they can find the donkey, provides them with an answer if they were asked where they were going with it, and finally he tells them that the owner will send it. Everything happened just as Jesus said it would. Likewise, the disciples had enough experiences and encounters with Jesus that they did not even question what he said, but followed it, but followed through with it. God could have very well called the donkey to come forth, and it would have showed up. But he chose to use his disciples to be a part of the process. How many times has God given you specific instructions, and you followed them exactly as he said? When we accept our Lord's perfect knowledge and his omniscience, it makes it a lot easier to follow through on what he says. If he says it, you can stake your life on it. Understand that God does not need us to accomplish his purposes. He can very well do them without us, but he delights in including us in them. So if that has not been your story, today, let's start trusting what he says. The second thing that I see here is that he shows us how to be humble. Verse 7 says, they brought the donkey and the colt and put, them, put on them their cloaks, and he sat on them. Jesus' entry into Jerusalem was not on a horse or in a chariot or on anything extravagant. It was on a donkey, more specifically, a colt or a baby donkey. We usually do not associate the lowly donkey with kingship. So why did Jesus choose this method of entering into Jerusalem? In this manner, it was the fulfillment of the prophecy, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey. It also continued to display the humility in which Jesus operated during his time on earth. Humility does not mean that you have to make your small. Be completely and fully who God made you to be. Now, I don't want you to miss this. You see, the colt or the baby donkey was untamed and would not be ridden until it was able to be controlled. This colt that Jesus rode had never been ridden. So from the outside looking in, it could be said that Jesus made himself small by riding on a lowly donkey, but in reality, it displayed his sovereignty by bringing that cult under his submission. Understand that Jesus is king who has all things at his disposal, but at the same time, he did not put up for himself or those that were with him, which were his disciples, riches, Matthew 8.20 tells us that Jesus replied, foxes, and dens, foxes have dens to live in and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Thus he goes on his way on earth as having nothing and yet possessing all things, even leading 
up to his final moments on earth, his entry into Jerusalem on a donkey was his continued humility on display. Being humble carries with it a drawing factor. When you are humble, it allows you to connect with people in a genuine way. It removes the barriers that could hinder real connection. Those who are proud and puffed up have a tendency to leave a bad taste in some people's mouths. If you know what I'm talking about, say amen. Pride is also contagious. Therefore, we must be cognizant of the company that we keep. Proverbs 16, 18 through 19 tells us, warns us that pride goes before destruction and haughtiness before a fall. Better to live humbly with the poor than to share the plunder with the proud. So just like Jesus, we ought to aim to be humble in everything that we do. Jesus had nothing to prove, only his assignment to complete. This leads me to my last point. Jesus shows us how to understand our assignment. Verse 9 says, And the crowds went before him that, and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna, the son of David, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. One thing I admire about Jesus as I read the Bible is that he never strayed from his purpose. He knew why he came to earth and made it very clear, even as a child, that he was here to do his father's business. Everything he did, that was always the goal. Nothing or no one was going to deter him or distract him from it. His obedience to God is an example we all can follow. But more specifically in this passage, his actions fulfilled the prophecy as it was told in Zechariah and Isaiah. The people were shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna, which in Hebrew means save us. And so as, they were, as I was reading this and I saw that they were shouting Hosanna, I began to wonder if the crowd really knew what they were saying. Hosanna, which they exclaimed as a statement of praise or celebration, was actually a prophetic declaration of what Jesus was ultimately there to do. This declaration, Hosanna, also presupposes that there was something the people needed saving from. Since Abraham, Jesus, was the promised Messiah who had, they had been waiting for all along, he came not only to rid us of the effects of sin, but also free us from the bondage of sin. I imagine that they had no idea the magnitude of what it was that they were saying, but Jesus did. That was his plan all along. And Jesus' entry into Jerusalem on a donkey was the beginning of the fulfillment of that promise from God to his people. The irony is that within the crowd that followed Jesus, many did not even know who he was. Hence the question, who is this? But what is awesome about our Savior is that he knew how quickly the tides would turn. He understood that human favor is fleeting. Right now, the crowds were shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna. But not long thereafter, they will be shouting, crucify him, crucify him. But in the midst of all of this, he maintained perfect composure with only one thing in mind, his assignment. 
This procession was the prelude to his sufferings, and the road ahead was not going to be pretty. But just as Jesus had been prepared for that moment, God is preparing us for every moment in the journey of our lives. God is equipping us to navigate both times of rejoicing and times of sorrow. He is equipping us to handle people who mishandle us. With praises in their breath, with our praises in their breath in one moment, and in the next, they're ridiculing us. That is why our hope is not in the words and the favor of man, but in the promises and purpose of God. When you understand the assignment on your life, you can stand in the most dark and dismal of times because you know where and with whom your strength lies. When you understand your assignment, stick to it and don't let anyone or anything distract you from it. So I wanna leave you with this today. Yes, the lessons we learned today from this story of tr that trusting God, trusting what God says, being humble, and understanding our assignment are important, but more importantly, it was ultimately Jesus' love for us that led him to do what he did. Knowing that this procession was the prelude to his death, he still went ahead with it because not only did he understand his assignment, but his love for us was just that great that he did not delay the inevitable. Instead, he went through it with intentionality. It was love that allowed him to be bruised, beaten, and put to death. It was love that freed us from the bondage of sin and reconciled us so that we can be at peace with God. That is why we celebrate Palm Sunday, because this was the beginning of the greatest display of love ever shown. Oh, oh.